0: This is a perfect storm of conspiracy theories.
1: On December 15th, 2017, Canadian billionaires Honey and Barry Sherman were found dead in their mansion. To this day, the case remains unsolved. Counterfeit and uh, copied pharmaceuticals was much more lucrative than heroin, cocaine and the rest of it.
0: If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Listen to the no good, terribly kind, wonderful lives and tragic deaths of Barry and Honey Sherman wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jamie Poisson. This past weekend, a movie about a mustachioed plumber from New York was number one at the box office. Do not touch that mushroom, you'll die! Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) That one's perfectly fine. Come on, Mario! Mario!
0: Mushroom Kingdom, here we come.
1: The Super Mario Brothers movie had the biggest global opening weekend for an animated movie ever. A few spots down was a movie about a shoe.
0: I need the greatest basketball shoe that's ever been made.
1: Who's the player? Michael Jordan. Air tells a story of how Nike designed and sold the Air Jordan. And last week, the internet was tickled pink when the trailer for the Barbie movie dropped. Hi, Barbie! Hi, Ken! This Barbie hosts a daily news podcast. I know that you saw the memes. All of these movies seem, I think, fun, nostalgic, and some even look like they might be pretty good. But when did Hollywood movies start looking like a 10-year-old's Christmas list circa 1993? To dig into this trend of movies about stuff— Stuff That We Buy. We're joined by host of Commotion on CBC Radio and wherever you get your podcasts, Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. Alameen, hi, friend. How are you?
0: Jamie, I'm so delighted to be here. How are you, friend?
1: I am very delighted to have you. Uh, And I'm really excited to have this conversation today. I feel like... We have become quite accustomed to product placements in movies. That's not new, but it feels like right now we're being inundated with movies about products themselves, right? Or movies based on a product. Uh, there are quite a few different versions of this happening, and I don't know about you, but they feel to me like maybe they split into two categories. So the first camp, maybe you could define it as movies about products for kids, so I mentioned Mario and Barbie, but what else? What else is coming? Right, so
0: there's coming down a pipeline, and good lord, what a pipeline it is! Um, <laughs> Liljadia is said to be working on an Uno adaptation. Uh- you know. Uno wow, are you an Uno person? Is that Huge what I'm hearing Huge Uno
1: person. Huge. Well, I'm very good at it, I'm, I will
0: say. I'm very pleased to tell you then that there's an Uno movie coming. Lil Yachty is apparently adapting Uno to be some kind of heist movie. Then there's also like <laughs> Emily Gordon, um, who made the big sick with kumail Nanjani. Uh, she's working on a Play-Doh movie, and like I don't know who asked for these. That's my big question is like who in the world is like, you know, what's really missing from the market is a Play-Doh movie. However, whether we like it or not, like that is that is coming up.
1: Our producer, Mac, was telling me earlier that a Hot Wheels movie is also coming up. (laughs) Um, You know, I I, I feel like I'm talking like this is new, but I guess it's not it's not so new. There is precedent for this. I'm thinking like the Lego movie and the Trolls movie. And. And do you think we're just talking about this now, uh, because the cultural touchstones are, are from our time, right? Like Mario in particular. What do you think?
0: Well, listen, no, we are not just getting old. I don't think that's what's happening here. I think, that it's, I think what's happening is that these movies are becoming more and more frequent, right? Like, the first G.I. Joe movie was, I don't know, 1987, I want to say, off the top of my head. America's number one superhero team explodes on the home video screen in their very first major motion picture blockbuster, G.I. Joe the Movie. But in the last 13 years alone, there's been three G.I. Joe movies. Once again, who asked for this? I don't know. There was a Clue movie <laughs> that came out in like 1985. It didn't do particularly well. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. But it's now kind of considered to be some kind of cult classic. Um, then of course people are, I think, familiar with the Transformers movies, which have so far have been five, but there's two more to come, including one no. that's coming this June. And so there's we are sort of living in this moment where it feels like it's kind of reached some kind of climax, or maybe it hasn't. Maybe actually we're maybe that climax is to come, and there's even more of these movies on the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does kind of feel like it's ramping up. It feels like it's ramping up.
0: Yeah, like, I yeah. don't know if we've been ever been this overwhelmed with product movies as we are right now. Like, you mentioned the Barbie movie. Hasbro is in development for a whole bunch of other movies. They're in development for a Monopoly movie. They're in development for a Furby movie. Uh, they are going to make another Clue movie. So this is just, like, this is not going to stop. This is going to, going to just keep going um, on and on and on.
1: I had no idea there was going to be a Furby movie. Are you excited? Well, are, you, are you a Furby no. person? Is this no. A, okay. All right, I was never enough. into the Furby.
0: But Uno, you know, that's craze. the one for you. I get it. Oh,
1: I will be. The, I'll be first in line for this <laughs> Uno movie. Um, okay. The other category does seem to be movies based on like the launch of a product. So still, still stuff that you can buy, but, but aimed maybe more at. Adult audiences. I know Barbie probably is going to straddle a bit of a line, but but there's Air about Air Jordans. Tetris.
0: I played for five minutes. I still see falling blocks in my dreams.
1: Bla- Blackberry? Get yes! this baby in the hands of every Fortune 500 executive you could find. We call them Crackberries. Yeah. Haven't heard that name in a while. I and, know. and what do you see uh, this as a response to?
0: Well, for the most part, those are movies about how we got here, right? Like, those are the—they're they're trying to solve the mystery of, hey, how did the Air Jordan become this giant shoe that everybody sort of adores? Um, with BlackBerry, how did these bunch of nerds who named a company Research Emotion, which— can I just say, I'm so sorry to say this on your show, I'm not sure that's the best name for a company. However, <laughs> here we are having to realize the fact that like BlackBerry became this sort of world dominating force for a period of time, um, and then uh, returning to explaining that mystery. And I think that, that mystery is really interesting. Um, one of the things we learned from the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, which came out a couple of years ago, was that when Michael Jordan was drafted into the NBA, Nike was in third place in terms of like... The- it's sort of share of the shoe market and Converse was, like, by far and away the number one shoe in the NBA. Then Adidas had the second share, and then after that, Nike. And you kind of get this transformative moment where Nike overtakes everybody else and becomes the defining shoe, and it all kind of started with the Air Jordan and the bet that they made on a rookie who at the time had not played a single minute in the NBA before they offered him his own shoe. It's actually like a really fun, dramatic story, and I'm not just saying that because I am the biggest Ben Affleck fan on earth. If Ben Affleck has one <laughs> fan, it is just me. Um, no, really? I, oh, really? Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm the Ben Affleck guy. So I, I really <laughs> loved Air um, and I'm actually going to go back and see it again tomorrow night. That's how much I love that movie.
1: You know, there's another kind of grouping here and that I think is is video games which again is not necessarily new Tomb Raider Resident Evil Mortal Kombat they've all come before us the the Super Mario Bros m- movie seems like a feature ad for Nintendo right now although you know I haven't I haven't seen it so maybe that's not fair but y- you can already tell that there's going to be more of these the Nintendo cinematic universe for sure right but do you see a difference between Super Mario and The Last of Us, which was also based on a video game.
0: I so desperately wish you hadn't said the words the Nintendo Cinematic Universe. But I will say, like, the difference, the very simple difference between The Last of Us and the Super Mario movie is, which is an unbelievable sentence. Other, other than the fact that they both have to do with mushrooms, I suppose. Um, the, ah, Last Us, the Last of Us... Very smart. Thank yeah. you. I really worked hard on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Last of Us... The Last of Us is cinema. Like, the video game itself is a cinematic piece of art. And Mario is, the gentlest way to say it, is nostalgia fodder, right? Like, when I see the Super Mario movie and they play the very special music that comes when you put Super Mario in the squirrel suit, I go, oh, yeah, I literally am nine years old again when I'm listening to this music. It has nothing to do with... uh, (laughs) the cinematic merits if you will of the Super Mario movie whereas The Last of Us even the original material sort of had this heft um, and had this like morality to consider and this Mm -hmm. ethics to consider and so we're just kind of dealing with um, even though they might seem like they're cut from the same cloth they are fundamentally just two entirely different products.
1: Hang on to that thought about dredging up these memories of being like nine-year-olds. i mean for a moment because I want to come I want to come back to that with you but first like If we're talking about cinematic universes uh, here, I'm I'm curious if you think this latest blast of IP movies has anything to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel story wise the past few years. No, no offense, Ant Man, but I I don't even. Maybe I know you're also a Marvel fan. Maybe you're going to disagree with that, but you know it's getting kind of. First of
0: all, wow. I did not anticipate Ant-Man Shade when I came here. and I love that for <laughs> me. I really do. I am pro the Marvel movies, but I think the biggest challenge that they've made to the industry is that they've made the story that they're trying to tell not really matter all that much. Right? Like they've made the brand such a sort of safe investment. And maybe investment is a crude word to think about it, but if you are a studio, any movie that you make is a bet, right? Like you have $200 million, and you're going to plop it down on a horse, and you're like, I hope this horse wins, because if it wins, this $200 million magically transforms into a billion dollars um and if you think of it that way then the easiest thing for marvel to do is say well we introduced this character in i don't know movie 12 certainly we can give them a spin-off movie and it will cost us 100 million to make but we're pretty guaranteed to make 600 700 million out of that and so as crude as it might be Um, the challenge that Marvel has done is that it's made it so that everybody else is trying to figure out the same level Mm -hmm. of bet, the same kind of safety of a bet. And it's a little bit hard to have that unless people are already familiar with the property. So you go, well, what is a property that's very familiar and has emotional resonance for people? And the answer is, uh, I guess Mario. You know, you used to play Mario. You know the guy. He's a plumber. He goes through pipes. Um, And then magically you transform that into the biggest opening weekend for an animation ever.
1: I'm Willa Haskin, the host of Decodering, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decodering, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one. Basically, to kind of sum up your argument here, this is an extension of what's been happening with Marvel over the years, right? Like it's just trying to bottle that, you know, secret monetary sauce. You know, you hear some people say there are no good ideas anymore. That's why everybody has to, you know, pick up old ideas like Mario Brothers even even right now if you look at the charts like uh John, there's like John Wick 4 Avatar 2 Dungeons and Dragons but what what do you make of that argument
0: well, I don't I don't personally buy the idea that there's n- there's not, you know, a lot of new ideas. There's plenty of new ideas. Yeah. Just none that are big enough to sell popcorn at your local Cineplex, right? Like that's the challenge. The challenge is how are you going to get people out of a house and into a movie theater where they're willing to pay what is it $25,000 for a movie ticket now? Um and then an <laughs> additional $50,000 for popcorn? No, I don't know. I don't know the specific prices, but movie movie going has gotten more expensive. Um yeah. it's gotten more grand and in order to just Justify that you have this phenomenon of every movie needing to feel like a giant event, and maybe an event that features characters you already know. Um, Martin Scorsese got in a lot of trouble a couple years ago because he said that uh, Marvel movies are um, not—they're not cinema; they're more like amusement park rides. I don't think he's wrong about this on several levels, but he's especially not wrong about this when it comes to treating the movie theater as a an amusement park ride. Like you are going on a ride and then you're paying ride money and then mm-hmm. that's what you're experiencing. What has happened though is all the movies that are new ideas that are really interesting that are like oh this is cinema this makes me so excited they've gone to streaming and they've gone to tv and that has fundamentally shifted our idea of what the movie theater itself is for like i think we've lost and there's been much made of this but we've lost a lot of the sort of mid-budget blockbuster you know like we used to have um, movies that cost something like from thirty to eighty million dollars to make, and they would have a couple of stars attached to them. Uh, you know, you mentioned John Wick. Like Keanu Reeves was in a lot of these. He was in Point Break. Like that's a sort of a, a, mm-hmm. an excellent example of like, hey, that's a movie that costs thirty million dollars to make. Um, it's a new, fresh idea that's exciting. You know, we talk about like an Ocean's Eleven, even though that is a remake. That's still like, oh, here's a bunch of stars who are willing to show up for this kind of movie. Aaron Brockovich. Like all, all these kinds of movies that cost somewhere in the middle of the budget range. Um, but they were they were a bet, and the studio had to say, we don't know if this is going to make a lot of money because this is a somewhat original idea that we're trying here. Um, and what you've seen is a complete lack of willingness to tolerate risk from studios, especially when you have the biggest studio in town, Disney, uh, spending all this money on IP that is a sure bet. Ant-Man, you may not be on board, Jamie. I am on board, but that doesn't matter because it's still going to make... It was so
1: boring. I know. I I get it.
0: I get it. But the point of Ant-Man wasn't to set up Ant-Man. It was to set up Kang as the new big bad of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's going to pay off in eight movies later, which, of course, you're going (laughs) to see because you're invested in this world. And if Disney has such a sure bet with these Marvel movies, everybody else is like, well, how can we also have a sure bet? And the answer is, unfortunately, the Mario movie.
1: to you about demographics because we're talking about mario we're talking about uno even even barbie although i know she's 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 older they're kind of centered on millennial signifiers and our studios and corporations trying to hit this window to capitalize on that nostalgia basically on yours and i's nostalgia (laughs) you know before before it's too late and you know trying to get a get us to like pass it on to our kids like <laughs> hey you know it's a cool game uno <laughs>
0: well that's that's definitely gonna be you when the uno movie comes out just speaking to your child and be like hey it's time to go see the uno movie and be like mom i, am, I don't want to I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in this
1: i am already shoving those cards down this <laughs> road
0: you know what? I can I can tell that about you. When I think yeah. about Jamie, I'm like I can I can see you doing that. I will say um speaking of like nostalgic um moments for millennials, I am one of those people who is willing to admit that it is remarkably easy to extract money from me. Like it's very easy to position something so that it hits all of those emotional signifiers. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm there because this reminds me of a time when the world was simpler in a certain way. I don't think that's necessarily what the Barbie movie is doing because, yeah, it's taking the character Barbie. But giving it to a creator like Greta Gerwig actually kind of guarantees that it's going to be an interesting movie. Like it's going to be a movie that plays on our idea of what Barbie came to represent. Um, and that's something that can be exciting um, th- and I think that actually that's actually a, like a lesson for people to learn in general as they make all of these movies that are based on these IPs. When you think about all of the Marvel movies, some of them are terribly boring and have no voice. Some of them have a very clear voice and a very yeah. clear vision. There's a good reason why Black Panther was the only Marvel movie that was nominated for Best Picture. I think that yeah. actually speaks volumes because... It is a story that is it is rooted in the character, but it's also trying to say something about engagement with blackness and engagement with black art in in a context of North America. Um, I think picking someone like Greta Gerwig to make the Barbie movie is an interesting indicator to say, "Hey, you could actually do something that's kind of cool with, um, with 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 some of these characters." Um, the Lego Movie is also a good example of this. Like Phil Lord and Chris Miller made a movie that I think is really remarkable. That doesn't just kind of rely on the fact that like, hey, you know Legos, just show up to the movie. Um, I think they push that idea further. So that's why I'm like not against, not blanket against all of these ideas. Um, But I was surprised to see the Mario movie do as well as it did because... It didn't seem to have that additional level of um, commentary on the fact that this is the one game that has transcended languages and transcended cultures and children in Japan and children in Sudan, where I grew up, and children here in Canada. They're all familiar with this character. They're all familiar with this. None of that is translated yeah. into the movie. And I think that's like the real disappointment.
1: Yeah. If you talk to people, it's it's real People I've talked to have seen it and say it's it's really quite vapid. It, but it but it strikes me that it's harder to do that with these movies, these movies that are ultimately about stuff that we have, stuff that we buy, stuff that was on our Christmas list. Like, because I'm I'm trying to think of 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 movies that really do capture that magic of coming of age and and growing up. And I'm, I think about like Lady Bird and Go- Goonies and Stand by Me and Ferris Bueller even like. These films capture, to me, what was going on in your heart, you know, not not this, like, representation of, of, like, capitalist culture.
0: Well, I think the even the movies that you mentioned just now, like, I think Ferris Bueller, if you're making Ferris Bueller now, I don't know if you could make that and put that in a movie theater. I don't know if he would succeed in the same level that it did. Because back then, our only options were to go to the movie theater and you could have a bit of variety of the stories that you tell. Uh, you mentioned Ladybird, which is like it's only five or six years old, but Ladybird is made by a twenty four which is a relatively small movie studio that is willing to take those risks at risks and every time ta- every once in a while it pays off they made everything everywhere all at once and that's a movie that um kind of bucked a lot of those trends because people were showing up to the movie theater to see it um but by and large it's uh trying to do the big tent nostalgia thing is your only sure bet in terms of making sure that you hit all the demographics. At this point, it's a sort of a paint by numbers. Hey, how do I get these people, but also these people, but also these people? But you know what? To that end, though, like, um, not to mention the Lego movie too many times, but, like, the Lego movie really did work on this level because the Lego movie took, I mean, like it took the idea of here is this blank Um, Lego man who has this blank face and we don't really know what's going on with his life and he doesn't really have much of a story Um, and then it used that as a very reasonable and very excellent jumping off point to explore how you could rely on this one character to build a beautiful world but also in the Lego movie like they used the idea of a brand tie-in to bring in Lego Batman and Lego Batman was like one of the best Batmans I've seen on screen for the last 10 years I will absolutely go to the (laughs) at for that. And I love Ben Affleck, but I don't know if he was better better a Batman than the Lego Batman. I'm just putting that out there. So I think you can sort of deepen the idea and deepen the story. You just have to hire the people who are actually willing to work for it. And as much as I was a little bit dismissive of the um, Play-Doh movie earlier, I'm interested in Emily Gordon as a creator. I think she's a really interesting writer. I think she has a really interesting voice. Um, And there's, 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 there's promise there in the idea that she's the person that they turn to to say take this concept of play-doh and no pun intended i promise mold it into something different and i will see what kind of comes out of that i'm really curious i'm i don't have a lot of you know hope but i do have um some patience for it i i i'm gonna go see it no matter what
1: okay well all i mean that was probably a very good point for us to end on the anticipation that we have to see if the play-doh movie is terrible or not <laughs> um this was great and really fun. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. And do you, will you come with me to the Transformers movie or no?
1: No, I okay. hate those. But I will. <laughs> I, I will go to Una with you.
0: Una movie. It's a date. Let's go.
1: Yeah. All right. That is all for today. I'm Jamie Poisson. Thanks so much for listening, and talk to you tomorrow.